And we're live, episode number 22 with Myron Gaines. What's up, brother? What's up, man? How you doing, Rich? Doing good, man. It's a broadcast we've had in the making for a long time coming behind the scenes. Myron's a longtime friend and mentee from my community, and uh, he is a he's going to be a big thing in this space as uh, the years and months come up. He's also the village bicycle. He, he goes around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job, man. I'm just like working my rounds and you know, spreading the message and basically, yeah, I'm, I'm being a garden tool right now. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? So, um, we could, we could go down a whole bunch of avenues and paths on this broadcast today. We're going to try to keep it under, uh, 90 minutes, but, um, let me kind of introduce you as I know you, um, you've been around this space. It feels like almost about a year is when I first met you, maybe about a year, year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you're a solid guy that does well in life in general with your day job, but you've also got a lot of skills when it comes to self-care. Like you kind of leaned into the space as, look, I want to help guys get better results in the gym. Um, how old are you now? I'm 30 years old. 30. So you're 30, you're natural. Uh, you do a lot of evidence-based um, advice when it comes to training, when it comes to nutrition. Um, I've seen you link like everything, like when you're in the community and somebody's like, Hey, I have a question. Like boom, 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 study, study, study. And it's like, dude's yeah. got it. Like if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see pretty much a lot of the same stuff. Um, and his handles on the bottom there. Um, but you also got involved with, uh, the whole simp to pimp thing. And that's yeah. kind of like one of your catch, uh, slogans is turning simps to pimps. And a big part of that is of course the self care, but it's the mindset issue when it comes to doing better with women. You live in Miami. One of the things you wanted to hit on this broadcast was dealing with like women in the most hypergamous city in North America is what you called it. Mm -hmm. Um, why do you call Miami the most hypergamous city? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is Miami is a great way to test your raw SMV. You know what I mean? That's just the reality because here you're competing with top tier guys that are in Lambos, Ferraris, whether they're rented or not, but everyone's pushing a facade here. So if you're not firing on all cylinders as far as like being an attractive male, high value, you're probably going to get left in the dust because the thing is, is that we have the highest concentration of attractive women here in South Florida and in the United States, in my opinion, and I've been around and there we all know women are, you know, they they day up. So for you to be able to get these types of women, these model type women that live here, you got to be on, on, on point with uh, everything, whether it's your fitness, your game, your money, you have to have all these things situated before you even begin to be able to get out here and game and actually be successful. I mean, you could be broke and, you know, still go out and do things, but you're not going to optimize your results with the highest value women, the best looking girls, because they're 100% dating up because so many uh, high value guys have vacation houses here like in Miami Beach on Star Island, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. How long have you lived in Miami for? I've been here since uh, 2018, so I've been here just over two years. And where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Connecticut, New Britain, Connecticut, to be exact. Hard hit. Was a family too, right? Yeah, uh, my yeah, my parents. Uh, we grew up. I, I was born in New York City, and then mm -hmm. I moved to Connecticut uh, at around nine, ten years old. And then I, when people ask me, I always say yeah, I'm from Connecticut. I went to high school in New Brent High, uh, New Brent, Connecticut, which is like right in the center, right outside of Hartford. And, uh, you know, humble beginnings. I didn't grow up rich or anything like that. My, my dad came to the United States in the 80s uh, as an immigrant from Sudan. And he brought my mom over. They didn't speak a lick of English. And they just figured out. My dad drove a taxi in, the, in New York City in Brooklyn at the worst time back in the 90s. And it was the most dangerous. And, uh, you know, he was able to, able to work his way up and, and buy a home and raise us. And, you know, growing up, we, we didn't have the most money. But, you know, we had food. And but most importantly, both parents stayed together to this day. And um, even though we weren't the richest, 
that stable family, that stable household made things like uh, much better for me growing up. And, and I didn't value it. And now as an adult, I can look back and value that like, wow, this is why I've been able to, you know, <laughs> be raised right and, you know, be mentally sane and not have any real issues because I came from a stable household, regardless of income, both parents were there. And my mom always kept the house clean. She always uh, cooked for us. Like I remember my mom would get anxiety if my dad went to, went to work without having a lunch packed. you know, that's how much my mom cared about serving him. And yeah. my dad was a leader too, who's an alpha male. So my mom respected him and stood by him and, uh, you know, it worked out great. And I grew up Muslim as well too. What was the, um, what was it like for you? Like when you kind of got into the real world as a, a man, when you kind of graduate from boy to man, you, you know, reach out in the world, real world and you start to interact with women. Like, were you a simp at one point or were you always kind of like, you know, you had game? So uh, this is a great question. Um, so growing up, I always kind of had some kind of awareness of, of this, you know, of, of the, of the RP because because uh, I was raised in a Muslim household with uh, parents from North Africa. So obviously everyone knows Islam is a, is a patriarchy. Uh, men lead, women follow. And, uh, you know, my mom always told me even from a young age, hey, make sure you go and marry a woman from the Middle East, you know, an Egyptian or, you know, a Libyan, <laughs> whatever, may, an Egyptian girl, a Saudi Arabian girl, Sudanese girl, whatever it may be, but go back Qatar, wherever, go at Dubai, meet one of these girls and bring her back because you don't want to deal with an American woman. I was like, mom, what are you talking about? And then as I become an adult and I'm like kind of seeing like how things have changed, uh, you know, it's just. <laughs> it's tough to make a relationship work nowadays with, with the way the laws are constructed, the way uh, with the no fault divorces, et cetera. So I see what my mom meant now as an adult. Um, so I always had this kind of awareness. And then when I went to college, I kind of, I was, I was good with ladies in college, but like, I didn't know exactly why. And then, uh, you know, I, I found Roland Masi. I read his book, shout out to him. Uh, and it connected a lot of dots for me, you know, things that I had like experienced and seen, but like, I was like, oh, I can't really put my finger on it. And then I was like, oh, Eureka, like it literally like laid everything out. So I recommend every guy read that book. That's it's, it was it was great stuff. But I would say I had the awareness, but I've definitely simped in the past. I'm no I'm, I'm not immune to being an idiot and like simping and making terrible mistakes with with women and learning the hard way. <laughs> mm. Was there like there's usually for most guys some kind of trauma in their life that brings them to you know, TRP or to my channel or to read Rolo's book? Like, was there heartbreak one night? It's like, was there something that brought you there? You know, I, I've never had a serious girlfriend that hurt me, man. I, and people ask me, they're amazed when I say that. I, I've always been so focused on like um, excelling at the gym, work, whatever it may be that like, I never uh, dated a girl super seriously to the point that it could affect my performance. Like I've been, I, I've seen women before, whatever it may be, but I never let them get in a position where like, it would like be it would mess uh, mess with my capacity to perform. So it, it was it wasn't trauma. It was just for me more like the interest of connecting the dots and figuring this out. Because uh, was that was that nature from like your upbringing? Like was that just kind of like in your DNA? You just saw it in that sense. Because I mean, one of the core tenets of TRP is um, you know you never get into a long term relationship, especially in your twenties. And women will always push for it at some point. Like I'm sure like you've had some girls like you know, Myron, let's have a talk, you know, because I'm thinking we'd be better as a couple and we want to be exclusive. And, you know, you get stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that for point, sure. Right? Like them trying to angle a relationship. I, I would yeah, say, like, how'd you end up handling stuff like that when that would come up? That's a great question, Rich. And, I, and I've never, until you asked me that question now, I, I know why now. It was because I knew deep down I couldn't bring any of these girls to my mom or like my family. They wouldn't approve. That's why, mm. <laughs> because nowadays, like my parents are begging me to get, you know, find a, find a, you know, I want to have, I want to have grandchildren. I don't care who you bring home, whatever. So now they don't care. But <laughs> when I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, my mom was like, Hey, 
make sure you, you get the right girl, make sure she's Muslim, make sure she speaks Arabic, you need to pass the religion and, and, the, and the language down, blah, blah, blah. Now as I get older, she's like, just bring anybody. So I would say from, from all those years, the formative years and the teens and the 20s, I didn't take any girls serious because I knew I wouldn't be able to bring them home to the family. So that's, I'm, yeah, that was a good question. Yeah, that's interesting. That's um, so, okay, so you talked about doing some simping. So what's the worst simping that you've ever done? Like what's the worst blue pill beta thing that you're like embarrassed to even mention? I would say uh, just, and it's several, like texting girls and like hitting them up and just talking to them, knowing that like they're just, and well, back then I didn't know, but I thought like just giving them more attention would work and like they'd like me. Like I hope, like I basically ran what I call like, I hope she likes me game, which is like <laughs> never the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> you should be running it like, hey, take it or leave it type game versus like, I hope she likes me. And that's what I was doing. I was like trying to build rapport and I was trying to build comfort and all this stuff before attraction. And, and for anybody that hasn't read The Mystery Method, I think it's an excellent book to read to learn basic uh, intersexual dynamics between the two genders. Um, you know, you, you got to build attraction first before you build comfort, you know? So I, I didn't even build the attraction. So I would say that was like one of the biggest mistakes, like just fundamentally like putting the cart before the horse and not understanding that like your attention is your currency as a, as, as a man. And I made so many mistakes looking back in college, uh, looking back in my teens, uh, even my in my 20s, you know, I didn't really start figuring this stuff out until about I was about 28, 29. But before that, I had kind of known, but then I finally connected the dots when I got older. So I would say definitely just giving free attention was like the biggest mistake. And like talking to girls that clearly like didn't see me in a romantic light. <laughs> yeah, I always, you know, always laugh at all these like thirsty beta kind of simps because they have blood on their hands. They don't even know it. <laughs> like they've like they've gotten they've gotten the sexual marketplace to the point where like fours believe that they're tens with three yeah. kids in tow from two, two different fathers because of all the free attention they get from about 80% of the male population, which in some sense makes our job harder, but it also kind of makes it easier because it's really easy to stand out from all the simping too. Absolutely. Um, and I talked about this in a video, uh, like, like how, um, cause you know, a lot of guys think like, Oh, you guys over in this sphere, you guys are just haters. And it's like, no bro, over 56% of Instagram users are women and women get five times as many likes as men. That's some hardcore stats for you right there for the guys that think we're like, you know, we don't know what we're Ridiculous. talking about. Yeah. That, Let me just hit yeah. these uh, super chats. So Odin. Yeah. I, I got yours, bro. Thanks man. Uh, the elite tag team is out and about Manny says, what's the verdict on cold approach? It's an excellent question. You got to do it, man. Like that for anybody that uh, might not be familiar with me, I came into the scene through uh, my boy, John from Modern Life Dating, and I've been out. He's seen me out uh, in a couple of venues in, in uh, Phoenix and uh, Orlando. And, and one of my things is night game. Like, you know, I'm pretty good with like cold approach and especially within a night venue. And I guess we can talk about that later. But the point is, is you got to learn how to cold approach, man. Because if you don't know how to cold approach, you're not going to be able to forge uh, fundamental skills that you need to learn when you're interacting with women. And cold approach is one of the best and most organic ways to develop these skills, these social skills on the fly. Because when you're talking, because when you, when you cold approach a girl, number one, it shows confidence, right? And if you do it correctly, it says a lot about you as a man and it shows a lot of uh, social awareness. Because when she's giving you feedback, you're immediately replying in a witty, funny way. And then it shows social calibration, which social, showing social calibration is very attractive because most guys don't have that. So when you're able to show that you're calibrated on a social sense, she's going to instantly find you as like an anomaly compared to other guys. Cause what do most other guys do? They'll come in and they'll ask boring questions. They won't raise a sexual tension. They're, they're not interesting, whatever it may be. So when you're able to like ping her responses based on your experiences and come back with a funny answer, it's like, Oh wow, this guy's cool. You know, and she'll want to like, she'll, she'll want to know more. So, but cold approach is definitely a skill that needs to be learned. Yeah. Um, 
a, fr- a friend of mine, and what I see most guys do actually is what I call interrogation approach, yeah. where they basically like get right in their face and like, so what do you do? Where do you live? What kind of kind of drive? Oh, yeah, do you like yeah. that? It's like, da, 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 da. you know, what kind of clubs you go to? And it's like, no, no, no you got to chill the hell out. I like your um, break in line. What the hell was it? It was something like, uh, hey, I wanted to say, say hi because I haven't seen somebody as cute as I am or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, my pickup line, guys, my, like for all the guys that wonder, my opener every single time I go out is, Hey, you're almost as cute as me. What's your name? That's it. And yeah. then I'll just put my hand out. And then, you know, and if she shakes my hand, uh, what I'll do is I'll like hold on to it. And if she lets me hold on to it, well, this is a way of screening. You know, one of the thing, techniques that I use, because my thing is I don't run like I hope she likes me game. I run is she available game. So you're screening out time wasters immediately. Because the thing here about Miami, especially, is that a lot of girls come down here to vacation to take pictures to like get some clout, you know what I mean? So you need to filter those girls out immediately when you're out. So one of the ways that you could do it or get naturally without being overt is like kind of subtly holding her hand when you introduce yourself and watching her body language when, she, when you're talking to her, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, John t- does teach that cor- whole course on that. But, uh, but yeah, definitely that's, yeah, that's my, that's my line right there. <laughs> um, a lot of the guys that I've seen sulk about the results they get with women, um, you know, they always find, uh, you know, like a problem for it. It's uh, too too short, um, you know, too tall, too fat, too skinny. Um, one of the things I've heard often is, well, if you're not white, you know, you might as well throw it in the, the bin. Um, clearly, you know, you've done well. So what's the secret? I mean, does skin color really matter to women? No, it doesn't. And as a matter of fact, one of my buddies here in Miami, uh, we're working together on a project right now. He's not the best looking guy. He's darker skinned and he's short. He's not under six feet and he's not in good shape, but he's like, getting girls left and right. And the reason why is because he portrays himself in a good light, you know, for all the guys out there that say, Oh, you can't get a girl unless you're six feet tall or more, or, or it's all about the face or whatever. Actually, it, if you could pick one amplifier to, as a man to, to get girls, it would be social status. I would say clout and social status is number one, as far as like attracting girls. And if you don't believe me, look at a rapper like six, nine, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's got all these chicks in his videos and he's, he's hung out with like hot models and all that stuff. So, Clout is everything. So if, if, you, if you're not the best looking guy, the beauty about being a man is that you're not only judged on the way you look. I always say like girls have an attraction floor. So as long as you hit that attraction floor and you're able to like show her your other features, which are, you know, whether you make more money, you make good money, you're confident, um, you're in good shape, you, you're, you convey yourself in a certain way, a masculine way that's, that's attractive you'll make, you're more than, more than make up for the fact that you're not the most attractive guy. But it, the thing is that a lot of guys want to just like say, oh, it's all looks, it's all looks. And it's really not. The looks just get you into the door. But if you can't convey high value in other ways, you're going to take an L. I, I know plenty of guys that are like in great shape and they're gym cells. They can't get girls because they're socially awkward. They don't have any type of, they might not be financially stable, whatever. So I think you need the trifecta to truly be successful. And looks is just a part of it to get you in. But you, but the beauty as a man is you can uh, show your other features. Whereas like as a woman, if you're not good looking, Oh man, you're gonna have to. T- you're gonna have a hard life as a female, you know, because that's how guys judge women. You know, at the end of the day, unfortunately, but women, women, fortunately for us, judge us on a whole met- uh, matrix of uh, things. Yeah, there's always still a long lineup of men that would that would go out with a four, though. I mean, they're, absolutely, yeah, yeah, you know, just no. off the chart, kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what kind of game do you usually run in Miami? Like, you use use cold approach, you use dating apps. Like, what's your favorite, or is it just yeah. a combination of it? I, I use all. So uh, and, okay, and so I'm, rank them for us. So. So tell us what you like the best and why. So personally, um, before COVID, my, my favorite was Night Game. Now, I will warn the viewers that Night Game probably has one of the lowest returns on investment when you compare time, 
money, effort, everything like that. But to me, I enjoy the fact that like night game in Miami makes you razor sharp. Like you go to another city, it's easy mode. When I went to Phoenix, I was like, whoa, what, what is this? You know what I mean? But like uh, here, it's very hard. So especially if you're like partying in Miami versus like Miami Beach, like Miami Beach is filled with tourists. You could probably, it, it, it'll be easier in Miami Beach. But if you're doing it in, in Miami with locals, it's pretty tough. Um, and then after that, obviously dating apps is probably the best ROI because you're dealing with like, basically she's already getting screened out for you because like when you swipe right and she swipes right on you, it's like, okay, she's interested, she's available. And then you go from there. But a lot of girls use dating apps, you know, just to get free attention. So you got to set up your profile in a certain way and have these mechanisms to screen out time wasters, which, uh, we taught that in pandemic pickup me and John. Uh, and then I would say after that is, um, then you can run day game. Like, you know, I, I would, I do day game last. Like if I see a, an attractive girl when I'm walking to the gym, cause I live in like uh, Brickell for, so for anybody that's like familiar with Miami, that's the Manhattan of Miami. So there's a lot of good looking girls walking around with their dogs or whatever. So like when I'm walking to the gym or I'm going to get some food or whatever, if I see a cute girl, I'll introduce myself. But, um, I don't like overtly carve out four hours and go to the mall and walk around and try to talk to girls. Like I, I don't, I don't, think that's a useful way to spend time, but I don't knock guys that do that. Cause I know a lot of guys that get successful with that. And then after that is a social circle game, which I'm going to start running that here fairly soon. But with social circle, that's a little bit more of a long game because you, you can't, you, you can't afford to take an L with social circle because you're going to see these people again. <laughs> I got a, a question here from one of our one percenters. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to drop the YouTube link. So if you guys are watching this, like on uh, Twitter or Facebook, anywhere, um, if that link shows up that I've just posted, head over to YouTube and click that. It helps me out a lot more with the algorithms. Uh, Alan said, can you please explain night game? Yeah, that's a great question. So so night game pretty much is any type of game where you're going out to a venue uh, where there's like liquor being, alcohol being served, and it's like a social environment. So like a nightclub, a bar. I mean, some people might even constitute like a daytime pool party as night game. Uh, like a day club? Yeah, like a day club. Which I mean, I guess you can you can you can lump it there, but pretty much any social scene that's designed to have people meet where there's liquor being served is typically like a night game venue. So um, night game is, is is like I'll use Miami for example. Like if you're at a club or a bar or whatever, it's you know the act of approaching women and meeting girls through uh, at the bar, which for a lot of people is tough because you have a lot of obstacles. You got a lot of music. You got you know bouncers that are that are haters. You know, quite frankly, you got to pay covers. Uh, drinks cost more money. Uh, you got to nowadays. Uh, you got to run table. If you're not, if you don't have a table, you're gonna have to be even more sharp because uh, the guys that have a table are gonna have a little bit more preference with the ladies than you. Um, so there's a lot of different factors, which is why a lot of guys stay away from night game, especially nowadays with like the emergence of social media and, and the whole. I think Roosh talked about this how like uh, the the table the bottle service scene along with social media and phones has made night game dead. I don't think it's dead. But it definitely is uh, the hardest, one of the hardest ways to source girls. But I like it because it's a challenge and it makes you, you got to have money, hard. though. I mean, like a table is going to cost you a minimum $3,000 for the night. Yeah. Right? In, in Miami, yeah. At the top club, even low season, you're, you're paying at least twelve to 1500 for like yeah. a, 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 the, the lowest level of liquor at, at a top club here. The good thing is if you set it up right and you know some of the guys there, like they'll actually bring the hottest girls to your table. Um, a lot of them will just go there just to try to drink your shit. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's I, a certain... You know, there's a certain level of work that you got to do to like filter out the ones that are going to be the manipulative time wasters. Yeah, I could run over table game real quick if you want me to, because I, yeah, I know how to. Yeah, so uh, so I talked about this on Solo's thing real quick, but like, yeah, so the way you run table game, guys, is like if you are going to get a table, you got to do it with guys that know what they're doing. And what I mean by that is 
you don't want to go and get a table with simps because if you get a table with simps, they're not going to know how to act when you have girls at the table. So what you do is if, if let's say it's three to four guys, right? One guy stays back at the table and he can, he controls the drinks. Your two most charismatic guys go out and source. And what they do is they approach girls and Hey, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. Screen them out, figure out what their, what their logistics are, what they're doing. You know, you don't want to go and like meet up with girls like, Oh, I'm, I have a boyfriend. I'm just here for, for, for like, now nah, you're not fun. You just, you, you, yeah, you just kick them to the curb immediately. Like I said, you're screening out time wasters right let away. Let me just, let me just stop you for a second. Anytime yeah. you go to a nightclub and there's some girl who spent two and a half hours doing her hair, her makeup, her, you know, putting on the right push up bra, trying on 17 different outfits, and she gives you the, I have a boyfriend. She doesn't. Okay. Yeah. She's available. She's there for a reason. For sure. For sure. And, and I say like, she probably she's just more like, work though. Yeah. It's just more work. So like me, I don't I, like with night game, the, the beauty is that you've got a high concentration of girls. So like you can, you can afford to like just kick girls to the curb that aren't cooperating. So, yeah. um, so you find the girls that are fun cause you don't want to bring any girls that are a buzzkill. Uh, and what you do is you just bring pairs of twos and threes, bring it back to the table. And then your buddy controls the liquor. He doesn't let them touch the liquor. He pours the liquor for them so that they don't drink the alcohol and, and, and leave or, because a lot of girls, they'll just want to sit at your table because they don't want to stand in their heels all the time, the whole time. That's another that's another little secret that guys don't know. Girls want to get on the table just to sit down. So you and what you do is the biggest the biggest game changer is finding girls that are different, like that don't know each other. So you get like a set, two set here, three set here, another three set here, whatever it may be. Bring them all to the table, and the reason why you do that is to create that competition anxiety. So when they see you there with other girls that they don't know, and especially like let's say one group of girls miss like they, they act like they act up or whatever, and they piss you off. You kick them out and let the other girls see that so they know, oh, wow, we better act right or else these, these guys don't care. And then you just kick them out and then they're going to get in line because like I've always said it that like girls get in line when they know you have other girls in line and it creates that competition anxiety. So they're going to be more apt to like cooperate. And then, you know, you just go from there and you game them and you see how it goes. But, you know, you should, your guys, if your two guys are smart, they should have like done a lot of the filtering for you before they even brought them to the table. And then one guy controls the liquor and he doesn't let them touch it. He pours the drinks and then boom, you just, you know, you wing this it. But you. You know, John's in the chat right now. He says, you know, this is expert level game. Um, <laughs> dude's right, man. You know, I did this um, at your age when I used to go to Vegas, like every 60 days or so. Um, you know, we did table and bottle service, but we never had like a strategy that you laid out like this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 tough to pull off because like a lot of guys don't have dudes that don't know that know what they're doing. But if you go with guys that know what they're doing, like a two or two or three other guys that are like are aware and you do this, it's like a killer because then like. You, you guys are basically working as a team to screen out time wasters because make no mistake when you're doing night game a lot of girls are there just to get free attention take snapchats take instagram pictures like look at my life it's so yeah. lit oh you know what i'm saying so what you do is you know you're trying to get rid of those girls immediately and i was still like, for free they drink for free yeah dude you, yeah. you know and the other thing too so i'll give you guys a little dirty secret about miami a lot of these girls that get into like the top clubs live story whatever they get in for free because what promoters do is They'll walk around Ocean Drive or they'll go to the beach and they'll find big groups of girls. I'll say, hey, listen, you guys want to go to Club Live tonight for free? Uh, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm like, all right, we'll put you guys at the table or whatever. And what they'll do is they'll bring those girls in and they'll put them at a table with some like old dorks that spent like $40,000 on that table. The girls will go there, drink their stuff, and then they'll like leave the VIP, leave their area and then like go out and mingle. And then that's when you come in and you can bring them to your table and then, you know, work it that way if you are going to run table game. Uh, if you're not going to run table game, it's going to be a little bit harder. But, uh, you know, table game, definitely you want to do it with guys that know what they're doing. Because if you have a simp in the group, he might mess it up for everybody. He's giving out free liquor. Like, oh, yeah, I love you, baby. It's like simping. So, you know, and the, and the bottles aren't cheap. So, you know, you got to just be smart about it if you're going to do it. I always say go with a, a squad. You're better off going alone than going out with, like, guys that don't know what they're doing, in my yeah. opinion. 
Um, we were talking before offline when we were doing a Zoom hangout in the community about um, like the most attractive body parts that women look at. And you were doing like training for certain like traps, arms, like I think you did all the research on this. What was the top five body parts that, that, that chicks typically dig when it comes to the male physique, you know, the masculine physique? Yeah. So um, typically it was like, what guys think, you know, chest and arms and stuff like that. But some ones that two body parts that were like really uh, attractive to women that no one really talks about are forearms and glutes, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when you think about it from like a uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense because having strong forearms assumes that like, you know, that you're uh, that you work. That, you, that you're physically strong because you don't get <laughs> guys that have big forms typically do some kind of manual labor or they or, or they work out or they do something physical which they, makes them more attractive you know uh, you know always have having calluses on your hands also makes you attractive and then having nice glutes actually contrary to what guys think oh it's only girls that need to have nice glutes like no guys do too so uh those are two body parts that like guys don't, don't even know are like attractive to women but like yeah chest and arms are typically there but like glutes and forms are also up the top five I have um, I have a comment here. I'm going to put up on the screen. Um, don't need to read it. Okay, yeah. But you know, you can read it. But what's your thoughts on that? Well, uh, Facebook user, I'm going to have to respectfully uh, disagree with you. And the reason why is because when you make the, uh, what you're getting a professional and getting a transactional interaction, you're not going to get her best brother. Like that's just the reality. That's why you don't pay. You don't pay to play because you're going to get some starfish like uh, some you know some bs you're not going to get the real thing so uh, you you always want genuine desire and that genuine desire comes from you being able to demonstrate higher value dhv and a table is a way to do that you know what i'm saying because like i said women have a bunch of attraction triggers one of them unfortunately like i know a lot of guys don't like hearing this but you know financial stability and when you have and social status so when you have a table you're able to convey that without saying a word now am i saying run table game to get girls no, but what I am saying is for the guys that do want to run table game, that's the proper way to do it so that you don't get fleeced. Because I know a bunch of guys in here are going to go to Vegas or Miami or L.A. or New York City or whatever, and they're going to run. They're going to want to get a table. That's how you do it properly without getting fleeced, which New York City, that's a whole nother game. L.A., that's a whole nother game. I don't know if you want me to break down those cities of like how to approach those places. But um, but yeah, dude, like you're not going to get yeah, true just to that because it's like. It's going to cost you either way, depending on how it is you want to approach a sexual marketplace and women. There's always a cost to interact. Um, the thing with that comment is I find he's not doing either, right? Yeah. Like this is somebody that isn't getting any results whatsoever. So it's point and sputter at the garden tools uh, that you're talking to in the nightclub. Let's go get a professional. But the reality is, see, there's validational intimacy and there's transactional intimacy. Absolutely. Uh, You'll never get her best, like Myron said, when it comes to transactional, where you have to pay in exchange for the intimacy. Where it's validational, she's she's doing it because she's enthusiastic about being around you, and it's it's to, it's way better. It's a million times better. So that's the difference between the two. I mean, if you want to pay, just get a doll, dude. Just do that instead. Yeah, of you're better off, man. You're just better off, like you know, rubbing one, you know, than doing that. Yeah. Like that, you're whenever you, if you pay a woman for intimacy, she, she fundamentally can't respect you. So and yeah. if she can't respect you, you're not going to get her best. You know what I mean? No. Like, that's just the way it works. So women don't respect to, guys like that. Yeah. So for him to say that, you know, Facebook user, you probably aren't that experienced with women. No offense, bro. <laughs> um, 
What else can we hit on here, man? We got a lot uh, of stuff. Seth asked work. a good question. He said, break down some of that West Coast game. I can talk about um, LA briefly. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Talk about West Coast game. So uh, I have a couple girlfriends that are out of LA. And uh, what I learned, and I went out there myself, and what I figured out was that um, Los Angeles is very dependent upon social circle games. So like um, California, the, bar, the the whole state of California, the bars close at 2. But by like 1.30, they turn the lights on. They want you out because they need to have the place closed down by 2. So what I learned in LA when I was there was that it's not like Vegas or Miami where you can like party all night. You need to know people to get invited to a house, to get invited to like a mansion party or whatever, like on the Hollywood Hills or whatever. So the only people, let's keep it real, that have access to that is either you have clout or you're a hot girl. So social circle is very important in LA to uh, get invited to like clubs. And then the other thing too is that um, to get into the top clubs, you, you definitely got to know people because there's such a high concentration of, of celebrities there that they're they, they don't need like the average person's business you know what i'm saying so uh la that's one thing i didn't like about la is that like it was very social circle game uh dominated so if you're not a somebody or you don't have connections you're it's just going to be tough and then the other thing too is that um like a lot of girls like with these hollywood parties what they'll do is like the manager of like a celebrity rapper whatever it may be and i learned this like Girls have told me this that, that live in LA. This is exactly how it goes down. They get an invite, like a DM on Instagram. Hey, such and such celeb is having a party at this address at this time, blah, blah, blah. Not He doesn't give the address, but like he's interested. Do you guys want to come bring your friends? And they're like, yeah. They're like, okay, cool. He'll give them the address. They'll show up and it's only girls. No guys can come. And then they'll make them sign NDAs. All the girls have to sign NDAs. And then when they get to the house, uh, they take all their phones. So they can't post anything on social media, whatever it may be. They bring him in. The celeb is there with all his friends, whatever. And then they just party. And then like, you know, it, it, that's just how it is. You know, uh, I know Dan Blazarian does this with NDAs and a bunch of other celebs. So LA is very who, you know, uh, New York city though, is a little bit different. Like New York city is you got to pay to play. And what I mean by that is, uh, in New York city, it's not like Miami where you can go anywhere and there's hot girls at, at, at a dive bar. Like New York city, if you go to a dive bar, you're going to take an L it's going to be all dudes. So the only way you're going to meet attractive women in New York city is you're going to have to pay to get into the top clubs like Mr. Purple, one Oak, uh, you know, bounce, etc. And if you're a guy as soon as you show up at the door and it's like two or three of you, they're going to try to, you're, they're either a going to force you to get a table and spend a couple hundred or thousands of dollars, or they're going to, <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's my ringtone. That's a great ringtone, man. Uh, so, so they're going to make you pay a bunch of money at the door, or they're not going to let you in and say you're not on the list. So, uh, New York City is definitely like um, you got to pay to have fun in New York City. Whereas like the thing I like about Miami is you can land, not know anybody and still go to any club or bar and still see attractive women versus like in L.A. and New York. You either have to know people, L.A. or New York. You also have to know people, but you could pay your way in New York City. So those, those are the big difference I've noticed in night game in those major cities. Mm. Cool. Dude, you got some serious uh, breakdowns here. Um, <laughs> give give these guys some tips with online game. Um, you know, talk about the importance of photography. Um, you know, some of the approach mechanisms, like I know that you've done like a full course on it with pandemic with John. So it would take literally like a few, like several hours to go through it all, but yeah. give them some of the nuggets, like yeah, know, some sure. of the stuff at 30,000 feet. Yeah. So the biggest thing, so I, I know everybody likes to say, Oh, online dating is, is, is BS. It doesn't work or whatever. You know, look at the Tinder study from 2015 where women found 80% of guys unattractive. Oh, look at the Tinder study. Yeah, Why are you yeah, wasting your time? Exactly. Exactly. Like people <laughs> come in and tell me, I can't, I can't tell you how many people call me and John scammers. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're like, okay. So I, in my YouTube video, I broke this down. Like the reason why girls find so many guys unattractive on dating sites isn't necessarily because the guys are ugly, but 
the way they convey themselves is ugly. And what I mean by that is that guys take bad pictures, their profiles are low value, etc. So some top tips I can give right now are go against the grain. So what I mean by that, the average Joe has average pictures with his friends drinking a beer at a bar and it's like, oh, okay, man, you're just another like frat guy. What you need to do is demonstrate higher value and take good pictures in cool areas, professional photography that shows you in a good light. You know what I mean? It, it's amazing how a few professional photos will dramatically increase your results with, with online dating because you need to convey yourself in a way that's high value. It, you, but you don't have to necessarily be the best looking guy. Just like I said, there's always an attraction floor. So as long as we, I think every man is capable of getting himself to at least a seven. You know, if you take care of yourself in the gym, uh, sorry, if you take care of yourself like your skin, your teeth, uh, get in the gym and work out, you're going to become attractive. Like, you know, uh, you know, if guys walk around with dirty like teeth, for example, are like one of the easiest ways to demonstrate, like to increase your SMB by like two or three points. Because if you have white teeth that are straight, that is a huge like signifier of value because having nice teeth is a luxury. You know what I mean? So it you don't have to say a word and it's already implied that you have expendable income. You know what I mean? When you have a nice smile. Uh, and it says a lot about your cleanliness as well. So like these little things, these little covert DHVs uh, are excellent to, to increase your value. So I would say take care of yourself, get professional photography. If you're overweight, get in the gym. You can't be fat. Yeah, you're gonna take an L on online dating if you're fat and you're in, 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 uh, you're taking pictures. Like you're just gonna have to uh, make yourself look better. And then uh, you definitely wanna have at least one photo in a suit, another photo in like some streetwear and uh, and do it in cool locations. You know, So if you live in New York City, Try to take it like under a bridge underpass or something like that, where the, with the skyline in the back. Like these are, you know, get with a photographer and shoot a thousand pictures in cool locations in your city or a city near you. And that will dramatically increase your results just off that. One of the things that you guys can do um, is go to Airbnb experiences or go to Facebook Marketplace and just find a student photographer that will do like a three hour shoot for a hundred bucks. It'll, like a little cost, it'll literally cost you a hundred dollars to get professional quality photographs. You just bring a couple of different outfits. You do, you know, like a wardrobe change, kind of like, you know, once or twice throughout the whole shoot. They usually know where to shoot and what time of day to shoot, right? And you just get that. And I've seen, like, I've seen guys go from like a six to a nine, just, just with way better photography, better lighting, you know, proper fitting clothing, a nice haircut. If they have a beard, they get it cleaned up so they don't look like a hobo. Um, like there's work that you have to do to attract women. The problem is that there's a lot of guys out there today that feel like they should just be like for who they are. And that's just a function of a lot of single mother households, a lot of guys that have been force fed a lot of, you know, BS Kool-Aid their entire life, you know, trying to convince them to believe that women should just love them for who they are. And it, it just doesn't work that way. Like there's work that has to be done. And, um, it is what it is, man. Like, it, like it's always dressed in overalls and it looks like work and most people don't want to do it. And here's the thing too. I think a lot of guys are fundamentally unaware at like the gravity of options that women have. Like the thing is, is that oh, you, have to be, you, you have to be high value as a man in 2020 because girls have more options than ever before. And I'll tell this story. So last year I was at a, at a club in Miami and uh, I met this, this uh, really hot blonde girl, white, uh, she was a blonde girl, Caucasian, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, five foot nine, five foot 10, like typically what I, what I date, right? Uh, really attractive. And I'm, I get her number, I get her IG. I was like, hey, let's you know meet up tomorrow, hang out, whatever, because it was like Saturday night or something. She's like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. And um, we, I get her number and we're texting. And then I notice that the texting starts to stop, right? It starts to get flaky. And I'm like, oh, here we go. She's gonna flake. And then I looked at her Instagram story and I noticed that she had like was DMing Lil Wayne. She put screenshots of herself talking with Lil Wayne on Instagram. 
And basically, at the, by the end, he's like, was like, yeah, uh, lock me in. Let's meet up, whatever. So I was like, oh, well, that's why I lost it right there. And, and the, the, the reason why I tell that story is a lot of guys internalize rejection and get mad at the girl. And mm-hmm. what guys need to understand is that like in between a time, the time a girl meets you and, she, and you want you set the date, she might meet someone that's higher value than you and just go with him. That is why the flake rate is so astronomical. So you can't uh, you can't get mad at the girl and you can't get mad and you can't internalize the L. You just got to move on and just like accept that this is the reality that girls date up. And if someone higher value comes along that you might lose her. Now, with that said, you can take steps to mitigate that. How do you do that? Why be, by becoming higher value yourself so that your flake rate comes down and you're able to exert your boundaries. Because a lot of guys think, oh, why am I doing all this to get a girl? No, 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 no. Wrong. You're doing all this for you. And then a byproduct of doing this for you is that you can now exert your boundaries and your authority on a woman and she'll actually respect you because girls date up. So, so if you're not above her in some manner, she's not going to respect you and defer to your authority. That's why you become high value, you know, and, and the women are a byproduct of the high value. I think a lot of guys have the mistake thinking like, oh, why should I make this money and become successful for women? No, 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 man. It's always for you. And then if you choose so, women could be a byproduct of that. I'm glad there's somebody else saying this because I feel like I've been beating on this drum for years, but nobody fucking listens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, guys, it's, 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 it's a fact, man. I mean, I mean, it, it, if you, if you do, cause here's the reality, right? If you go to the gym and train or and, make and, all this money. And this is why Myron gets results out of life. This is why he's done well in business and training and helping guys move from simp to pimp because he's willing to see it for what it is and do the work. Right. Most guys look at it and be like, ah, it's too much. Forget it. Yeah, man. It's just like, Sorry, I'm going to cut you off there. Go no, ahead. no, no, no. It's all good. Uh, I was just going to add to that is like, cause here's the, here's the reason why you guys have to do this for yourself and not for women. When you're in the gym at 6am squatting 20 reps and 225 on your back and you're about to puke or whatever, 315, whatever it may be. Girls is not enough of a motivation to continue to pursue that endeavor of fitness. Okay. When you're grinding at home, working, trying to make this, this big money, the, girls is not enough of a motivation to continue to do that. It's gotta be for you. Because you'll never find the, the proper amount of motivation if you're using women as the f- only uh, motivation to uh, to become successful. It's just, it's just not going to work because the reality is women are flaky. They're fickle. You know, their emotions change all the time. So if you base your validation, if you base your self-worth on a woman's validation, you're going to take an L every single time. So you got to do it for you because you know that you're you know who you are day to day every day. So that's why it's got to be done for you. And then a woman, the women can be a byproduct if you choose so. I've, I've uh, started started to be, you know, uh, develop a little bit of fame around my Instagram stories because normally after I'm done my workout, it's a quick boomerang with the finger, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, will DM me and it's like, I'm not doing that for chicks. Like that is literally me telling my inner bitch that I got a good workout in. Let's do it again because mm-hmm. it feels good, you know? Absolutely. When you're Women are a byproduct of that. It's, it's not the focus of it. And that's where almost every guy gets it wrong, yeah. right? Uh, let me grab the super chat here yeah, from yeah, uh, Offy King. Let me say hey, salute to Rich, you? brother Myron Gaines, Unplugged Fit, uh, sliding through, showing support, blessing to the chat. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Offy. Um, you right there, man. There was a super chat here from Manny. What's your philosophy on life purpose? Um, I'll let you hit on that first. Yeah, life purpose, man. I mean, your happiness comes first. You know what I mean? Like, y- y- you, the thing is, is that you have to be selfish in your endeavors. Everything's got to be for you. And then if it benefits someone else and you want to bring them into your world, then you can do that. But the thing is, is that uh, women love guys that don't need them. 
And I think a lot of guys don't understand that, that like you, you need to become the prize. You need to build a castle. And then she has no problem being in your castle. You know what I'm saying? But like when you're relying on her to like, you know, to get by and everything like that, it's just inherently unattractive because women are, are attracted to guys that have their stuff together and they can just like, they just, they just want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? But I think a lot of guys make the mistake and, you know, let a woman lead the interaction and depend on her for a bunch of things. And women don't want to be put in that position, man. They want to be able to defer to your authority and relax and know that you got it, you know? Mm -hmm. So your life purpose has got to be whatever makes you happy that you want to do. And then everything else comes after that, in my opinion. Yeah. It's like, I've got the same view if, you know, for me, it's just mental point of origin. It really just boils down to, does this serve me? You know, does this, does this support my mission? If Absolutely. she's involved in it, is she supporting my mission or is she getting in the way of it? Um, you know, those are the questions that I often ask myself when it comes to purpose in life. And um, you know, there's far too many guys that'll just bend the knee and become less so she can become more. And eventually they end up getting, you know, crushed or destroyed and, or run through the divorce machine, like even worse because they've done it the wrong way. Your purpose should always come first. Your yeah. life should be the focus of the unit if it's something that you want to do, if you want to get married or do something stupid like that. But your life should be the focus of it, and she should be complementing that fully along the way. Yeah, and you're doing a disservice to the woman. When, when you when you let her 100%. lead, when you, when you let her lead or you defer to her authority, you're doing her a disservice because it's not natural for her to, to lead the man. She's going to feel out of place and awkward about it. So that's where this like, like guys always talk about, oh, my wife doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to make love to me anymore. She's always mad. She's always rude, whatever. It's because you're putting her in a stressful position where she's becoming the decision maker. Now she has to become masculine. Women don't want that. You know? uh, there's a there's a really good video. That, well, it's not a really good video, but a really good example of this exact scenario on Grant Cardone's channel. I watched it last night for like 12 minutes or so, and I wanted to vomit in my mouth. But but the title of the video was something like, um, you know, it's the G&E podcast, which is Grant and Elena Cardone. And they were talking about how to make life decisions together as a couple or how to make <laughs> choices together as a couple. Like, all right, let's click on this because this is going to be some happy horseshit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there watching it for about 12 minutes. And it's like the whole thing is he's 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 basically supplicating her the entire time. Yeah. And I mean, if you watch their dynamic closely, there's an interview with her on London Real with Brian Rose. And she's basically telling Brian, I didn't want anything to do with him. He was too short. He wasn't my type. He basically chased me for a year and a half. He was a simp, but I was like, all right, fine. He rented out the gun range, so I'm going to go shoot skeet with him sort of thing. So the only reason why he's in that environment and he's got her is because he's very, very successful and wealthy, and she's like a washed-up D-level actress that didn't go anywhere. Um, but women don't want to make decisions with you. They want you to decide, and they Absolutely. toe the line. You know, I'll that's say really this. what it boils down to. But I think a lot of people are going to watch that shit and be like, yeah, let's be like Grant and Elena because that's going to work. And it doesn't work for you. It really doesn't work. It's like the worst thing that you guys can do. The two biggest mistakes, man, that men make with dealing with women or their long-term counterparts are, are these two things. Thinking that men and women are equal. Yep. And then also thinking that a relationship can be run on a 50-50% basis, which, which it never works that way. You look at any successful business, there's a CEO, you president, there's one president of the United States. There's always, you can't lead by a committee. There's got to be one decision maker. You know, I'm not saying that your wife can't have an input in the decision, but at the end of the day, you have to be the decision maker. This 50-50 thing doesn't work because women are not designed to lead. I always say it, women are fundamentally incapable of leading a man within the confinements of a romantic relationship. They're just not built for it. So when you put her in that position, you're setting yourself self up for an L. And that comes from the false premise that guys think that women, men and women are equal. And we're not. And, and I've, I, you know, I, I used to date a lawyer. She used to get mad at me like, 
we are equal. What are you talking about? I was like, okay, cool. You know what? Next time we're in bed, uh, when I hear like a at the door, you know what I'm saying? You can go deal with the, the, the robber, you know what I'm saying? Since we're equal, you got it this time. It's like, oh, ha, 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 you, you're being a smarty, a smart ass. But like, I was like, you know, but like, it's true. Like men and women aren't equal. Like we're completely different and that's okay. I think there's a pro like people don't like admitting that men and women are, are different and we're not equal and we're better in different things. Like for example, we're physically superior to women. But on the other end, women are superior superior to us, like from a social calibration standpoint, you know, they're better communicators. So, I, you know, we're better together than we are apart and we complement each other. And I think guys like trying to sit here and say, oh, no, we're equal and all this other stuff like that's just it, you you go into if you have that mindset when you go into a relationship with your girl, you're going to you're going to lose because because you guys aren't equal, you know? <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. I think that's why um, the divorce rate is so high in the states and Western countries is because they believe that false premise that you can do a 50 50 relationship and that you're equal when it doesn't work that way. She loses respect when she has to lead. Absolutely. And the problem is, is that that's like, that's a big part of the function of globalism and liberalism is it's trying to convince and brainwash society to believe that men and women are the same and they're not. I mean, yeah. like, like you just mentioned, like Rolo constantly states men and women are complementary if, if yep. you, if you size it up, right. But men are the leaders men yep. need to lead and, and women love men that lead like, one of the things that you'll see a lot of, and I'm sure you've seen this too as well, is guys will send you like screenshots of their interactions with chicks. And it's like, where did I go wrong? You know, yeah. how did I screw this up? And it's like, well, from the get-go, when you ask her out, there's there's dialogue back and forth. And it's like, you can't even be decisive about where you're going to meet her and at yeah. what time and what you're going to do. Because you're asking her like, well, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? What would you like to drink? It's like, when you go out with a woman and you're messaging, it's like eight o'clock, coffee, Wear that black dress in that picture that I saw. And I'll tell you this, man. So, so check this out. I got a funny story. You want to talk about cognitive dissonance. Uh, I had a, a match with a girl on Bumble like a month ago, and uh, she was like a feminist, right? Uh, I didn't know this until after I met with her. But like uh, I told her, okay, meet me at this place at this time and wear these clothes. And she was like, she messaged me back. She said, oh, my God, that's so hot. Thank you. Like, And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, like you're telling like you, you're making a plan. I was like, and then that's when it kind of hit me like, oh, yeah, this is Bumble where like, this is like a feminist dating app. Like all the guys on here typically are soy boys and, and you know, they, they can't make a decision. So when I met with the girl, she was like amazed that like I told her, like I told her what to do. And, and this girl's like, a, a, which I found out later, she's a feminist. So like even girls that like subscribe to that narrative of, of feminism still, I always say attraction isn't a choice. So like when you show these masculine traits, they're hardwired to positively respond to them. And it's right. just like, you know, when these guys think, oh no, we're just going to like use these social, you know, the politically correct uh, connotations to do things. And it's like, it just doesn't work, man. So do you, do you see a lot of women on dating apps that, that look feminine, but end up being feminist? Because I've seen this more and more over the years where they still have traditional feminine cues, right? Like nice hair, they've done their makeup, you know, they put on nice clothes, they wear a great bra, or maybe they even had their boobs done. Like typically feminists would not do stuff like that, but you find out later on that they are in fact feminist. Yeah. So fortunately here in Miami, Miami has a very strong Latin culture. So like it, it's not as visible here, like as a, like a New York City, Washington, D.C., uh, et cetera. So here, like uh, since we have such a strong Latin culture here uh, in Latin culture, you know, obviously like, you know, it's traditional. Men are men are masculine, women are feminine. The girls here dress up. They leave their hair down. They wear heels. They wear makeup. They they take care of themselves. So it's not as much here, but definitely in other cities. Yeah. Like I've seen mm -hmm. like, you know, you'll meet girls like that, but it's funny though. Cause like I'll go on dates with these girls. Right. And they'll be like, yeah, I'm a feminist, whatever. And I'll tell them, well, all right, cool. But 
you know, you know, you're not going to make any decisions on the state. And they're like, yeah, I know. And, and they'll be okay with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it's like, yeah, they could be a, a, a boss in their workplace, but they still want to be able girl. to, yeah, their boss, boss, uh, boss, yeah, hashtag boss girl. You know, they, they want to be a boss in their thing, but they still want to be able to go to a guy that they can submit to that they can feel comfortable deferring to. It's the problem is that the more successful a girl gets, the harder it is, the, the smaller her pool of candidates that she can submit to. So that's why so many girls end up perpetually single because they basically they they, they outmarket themselves to some to some extent, you know. So question: Do you find that they defer to you because of who you are? Um, you know, within the statement within the alpha credit, or is it because you use like the Muslim card for that? Uh, or is it both? So I I think first it's it's the way I convey myself. So they immediately yeah. like what it's the way I convey myself because I tell girls sometimes like yeah I don't I don't I don't listen to women when it comes to dates or you're not going to pick what we're going to do. Sorry, I don't follow. I tell them straight up on the first day I, I don't follow women's lead ever and they're like oh well that's interesting and then that'll you know get them uh, intrigued and then they'll ask and i'll be like yeah well this is why you know my parents stood together and it's and it's worked out because my dad led and didn't really like listen to my mom like my mom still had input in decisions that were made in the house for sure but at the end of the day my dad my dad made the final decisions when he wanted to move to connecticut she followed him etc and now they're still together to this day so um yeah, it, it, it's always intriguing, but like, yeah, if for, typically it's the way I act, and then that prompts the question, like, how are you raised? Like, what's up with this? And then when I tell them my background, they're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. So, how how important to you today as a thirty year old guy is chasing excellence versus women chasing women? So, yeah, man, you you got to chase excellence. And for the guys that don't know in here, man, I got to give Rich some props. Rich is my coach, guys. Right. So when I started my business, uh, like, and I was really getting into it, like, I. I paid the time I got rid you know, you got to pay for this stuff, guys, when you want to get elite coaching, uh, one of, one of the best, like one, $1,000 I've spent. And I sat down with Rich and we talked and he basically told me, Hey man, you got to get on YouTube. You got to start, uh, building an audience, all this stuff. And he gave me like some game changer tips. And, uh, you know, I still talk with him now and he, and he, and he uh, mentored me. And the, the reality is you have to become successful. You have to become the, you have to become the prize. And then you can start to, uh, exert your boundaries on women. Cause if you don't become successful yourself, you can't pu push your, you can't have, you can't have boundaries <laughs> if you're not high value. You know what I'm saying? So like a lot of guys are putting the cart before the horse, like, Oh, well, you know, a girl can't have social media or she can't do this. And they're all alpha and stuff, but like, you know, they don't got a thousand dollars in the bank. It's like, you have to become the prize first, then women will defer to your authority. You know what I mean? So I, I say, get a mentor. That's huge. Like ju just from like working with rich, John from Auto Life Dating, Donovan Sharp, all these guys taught me so many things that I was able to cut my learning time in literally like a quarter. You know, thanks to Rich and all the other guys, I was able to get, get my YouTube up to 1,300 subs within like six weeks. You know what I'm saying? So that's what happens when you when you pay for coaching, when you invest in coaching and guys that know what they're doing and get mentorship from people that you can learn from and become better. Because I always say this, poor people spend time to save money. Rich people spend money to save time. That's the biggest difference. Yeah, people don't understand like the the limitation on um, on time and your health that you have. You know, as a man, like it like it runs out. You know, it's like a you know it's like an hourglass with sand in it. It's it's going to run out, and as time passes, like the older you get, the harder it is to accomplish things. Like it's harder for a guy that's fifty to do what you've done from scratch than a guy that's thirty. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot more runway. So I always tell guys, I mean, if you're going to do this, do it, you know, 
like obviously chase excellence. I mean, do it if you're 50 and you haven't done it yet, but the sooner you get that done and you've established yourself as a man, the better you're going to do in every area of your life and the less likely you are that you're going to have a problem in areas of your life because money, like money and success solves a lot of stuff, right? You Absolutely. know, success leaves clues and it also builds a great network. Like your network is often, you know, what becomes your net worth. And a lot of people don't understand that surrounding yourself with excellence matters. And you're not going to surround yourself with excellence if you're sitting in the corner of the internet sulking with a bunch of losers that get nothing done that are hiding yeah. behind, you know, an avatar on their screen. You have to, you know, participate with people that are doing the work, right? And here's another thing too that I want to say. Like one thing I learned as I've gotten into this space and I've like dramatically increased my income and become uh, moving up in the totem pole is one thing I'm learning about successful people is they spend a lot of money on mentoring and being around other successful people so they can pick their brain and also just having a network of guys that are like-minded that want to become better. Because the reality is, and I kind of had to learn this the hard way, I had to like cut off some close friends of mine from home that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're hanging out with a bunch of guys that aren't ambitious or aren't successful, well, you're probably going to end up that way too. And if you are successful, you're not going to have the drive to become better. If you're in a room and you're the smartest guy, you're messing up. You're actually the dumbest. <laughs> so um, so I think that's like another thing. Another thing too that you were mentioning about like, you know, how money solves a lot of problems. I'll say this when it comes to dating, when, when you have your body on point and you have your money on point, you're not going to sit there and tolerate BS from girls that, that you're just not going to do it. Like I can't explain it. It's like you have to, you have to get to this point, but you will not tolerate like some 19 year old bimbo mouthing off to you at a, at a club. You're going to be like, what? <laughs> you're just going to like walk away from her and go talk to someone else. Like you're not, you're not going to take her serious and you're not going to internalize rejection because you're going to have that abundance mindset because you know, your high value and you'll be able to move on to the next girl. I can't tell you how many times I've been at a bar. I'll talk to a girl. She'll curve me straight up, like turn her back on me, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go talk to another girl. She'll see me talking to the other girl and then she'll reapproach me later and say, oh, so what was your name? And I'll be like, nah, yo, get out of here. So it's like, <laughs> you, know, it, you know, you give it back to them. And it's just, it, but but that's that's the power of, of uh, having your stuff together as a man. You will not, you'll move differently. And, and when you move like this, like I said, women are very socially calibrated. So when you have that abundance mindset, she could feel it that you're outcome independent and she's going to, she's going to work a little bit more to retain your attention because most guys, let's face it, they go up, oh, I hope you like me. L let me qualify myself to you. And I always say, when you qualify yourself to a girl, you're already taking an L. You know what I mean? She should be qualifying herself, qualifying herself to you. Never deny a woman the, the, the benefit, the pleasure of qualifying herself to you as a high value guy, because then she's going to value that interaction more. And women date up. They need to qualify themselves to you to feel that. is a good thing. Like, like when you get your head around it and you go and do the work for it, it's actually a good thing for you. Oh, you can yeah. take advantage of it. Hypergamy is great because here's the thing, guys. If, if hypergamy didn't exist, if women didn't date up, we wouldn't be the, you know, the advanced society that we are now. I'm talking to you guys through a, a Sony camera. We're streaming live. You know, Rich is in Canada. I'm in Miami and we're doing this. This is all because of hypergamy. This is because dorks didn't get to procreate and only the best procreated. And now they were able to invent all these great things. And we're here today talking on YouTube about, about it. You know what I'm saying? So mm. Hypergamy is a good thing. A lot of guys get mad, like, oh, women date up, oh, this is BS. And it's like, bro, no, survival of the fittest, man. This is the way it is. Like, dorks don't procreate, and it's probably better that way for us as a society. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you've you've basically doubled your income in the last couple of years, like since I've gotten to know you with what you're doing. And you're already paid well before you know you got into personal training and helping, you know, Simps become pimps and all that. How how is you. that what's that? And working with you. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, but we've already covered that. We don't need to spend yeah. too much time. But I mean, like, how has that changed? Because uh, all the haters, bro, they always say, oh, Rich is robbing people. Like, he's he's charging yeah, $1,000 yeah, yeah. an hour. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, all right, guys, well, you know. So, 
results don't Whatever. Lie. There's there's always going to be that corner of the internet of a bunch of sulkers. Fine, do it. Okay, cool. But I mean, for you, like while you've seen your 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 annual income practically double in the last you know like year and a half, how, how has that changed you as a man when it comes to your life? Because I mean, this this playlist that we're broadcasting on is called Playing to Win, and there's a difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. And I think you'd probably agree before, you know, you hopped into space, before you got coaching from guys like me and, and others, um, you were you were pretty much in the playing not to lose sphere. But now I see you as a man that's playing to win. How has that changed your life, like holistically? Like I'm not just talking about women, like everything. It, it just it just creates an air of confidence that, that can't be replicated, man. Like um, it, it, you speak with a certain tonality and confidence that you can't be faked. You know, when you like people, it's like what I would say, it's magnetic because like when you say something, people want to listen. You know what I mean? And for you to be able to command that authority, uh, it's got to come from some kind of natural uh, ambience that you're presenting. And, and that's what like it, people always say, oh, money isn't everything. You're right. Money isn't everything, but it's a good down payment. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to help you in other endeavors of your life. And it's going to help you move differently and have the confidence to uh, take risks. You know what I mean? Like when you have a little bit of expendable income. And if you succeed, you win. Because like as men, we're, we're taught from a, from a young age, you know, who dares wins, right? So you got to you gotta get out of your comfort zone. And, uh, you know, being successful allows you to get out of your comfort zone so that you can like take these risks and make more money or whatever it may be. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it just like I would say the biggest thing is it creates this air of confidence that it's, it's, it can't be faked. Whenever somebody says, you know, money can't buy, buy happiness, you don't. Like I always respond with, yeah, but you never see anybody crying in an exotic car. Facts. Right? It never happens. Facts. I've so, never seen anybody cry in a Lamborghini. So don't give me that crap. You know, like the guy, yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, yeah, like, you know, money isn't everything. There's a lot of people out there. It's not, know, but it buys options. Yeah, yeah, that are like, you know, that are that have dough and they're like, you know, and I'm not like rich by any means, but like, you know, I'm doing okay uh, for a 30-year-old guy, no no kids, no family. But, um, you know, the thing is, is that it gives, it gives you options and it makes life uh, much easier for you to do things. You don't have to like check your bank statement or whatever. You can just do what you want, which is like incredible freedom. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that you can't really put a price on that. And the other thing too is because guys always want to link it back to women and stuff like that. I always tell guys, men and women look at money completely differently. And, and like men look at money from like a society, uh, from a hierarchy standpoint. Like if a millionaire walks in a room, all the guys are instantly going to have some level of respect for that guy because they're going to be like, okay, he's a millionaire. He probably had to, because men understand the burn of performance, right? And we know that this guy's probably put in some kind of work, assuming he didn't inherit it, to get that level of money. You know, you might pick his brain. Hey, how'd you make it? Whatever it may be, you know? So that's typically how men look at money. Women, however, look at money as like a means to an end. So like I always tell guys, like, don't sit there and lead with your wallet and tell her, I made $5,000 in the stock market today, baby. It's like, no, bro, she doesn't care about that. But if you tell her, hey, baby, pack your bags. We're going to go to, you know, Mexico for three weeks. Uh, she's gonna she's gonna respond favorably to that, but how did that happen from you being able to earn more money? Like women don't care about money. When they tell you, oh, I don't care about money, they're not lying. They don't care how it's made. They just like the benefits that come that come from it and the spontaneity and the freedom. So that's why I think like a lot of guys make the mistake thinking like, oh, let me overtly tell her about how I made ten thousand dollars in the stock market. It's like, no, bro. Like, no, you demonstrate. Don't care about that. But like when women say that they don't care about money, you also have to watch their actions because they will choose a high value guy that's 100%. got his money sorted over a younger alpha that doesn't have his money sorted. Yeah. Um, but I were, meant like as in they don't care like how it's made is what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't care how it's made. They, they, they like it. what it provides. They like yeah. they like what it does. Like I think they look at money as like a means to an end. You yeah, know? well, it's a security component for them, right? Because 100%, women, yeah. Women usually, well, not 
women usually, but throughout history, women have always relied upon high value men that, that could provide. That's why we have this alpha seed beta need dichotomy today, where Absolutely. you see women that will go get knocked up by the alpha Chad Tyrone and uh -huh. then get, you know, Billy Bob to take care of the kids for her. Yeah. Um, you mentioned cool. earlier, um, you know, single guy with no kids right now. Do you want to get married and have kids? Is that something that you're looking at in the future? Like, where's your headspace man, at you know, for that with a 30-year-old? That's a dangerous proposition nowadays, man. It is, but I want to hear what your view on it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only way, I mean, I, I, down the road, maybe 10 years, I want to have a kid. But the, the thing is, is that I would have to have, like, some serious safety nets in place to, to do that. You know, the way... The, the problem is that the divorce, the, the marriage laws have not caught up to the fact that like women are out earning men in a lot of cities, you know, <laughs> they, like it hasn't basically the laws haven't caught up to like how, how we progress as a society. So like as a guy, especially if you make substantially more than your wife, you're in a bad position if you get married. So if I were to do it, it would be solely to have kids, definitely to have kids. And then I'd probably have to marry a girl that like made as much money as me that also that that way uh, I know that she could, she can't take, well, it was, she wouldn't be able to take me to the cleaners as bad financially. You know, I would try to mitigate as much damage, but like, man, it's just a dangerous proposition nowadays. So I'd have to really go in with my eyes wide open, probably do a coaching session with you. Rich, how do I do this correctly? <laughs> you know, book your time for that. So yeah, it's just guys just got to go in with their eyes open, man. It's, it's a dangerous time to get married as a man, especially if you make substantially more than your, than your wife. It's the unfortunate reality. Yeah, I always get guys that ask that question. It's just like, man, it's a, that's that's such a slippery slope to to climb, and I get why you want to do it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like sure. I've been talking to a couple of guys in my community about putting a, a like a full course together on, um, you know, vetting for LTR slash marriage. Mm, that'd be you good know, for like, you know, for raising kids because there's a whole bunch of steps that you got to take. So if that's Absolutely. something that's of interest to you guys, you know, leave me a comment below. Let me know. Maybe I'll put something together. I think that's a great idea right there, man. I mean, because at the end of the day, like if you're not trying to have kids, there's no point to get married, in my opinion. None. Forget there's it. Really no, there's nothing in it for you as a man. I wouldn't even, even if you wanted to have kids, I still wouldn't get married because all that does is solidifies the state involvement in your household, right? I mean, you can do it, like have a kid, but not get married. There's still ways to do it. Yeah. But that's a far longer talk yeah. um what else should we be covering on this broadcast that we haven't talked about yet uh i mean i don't know if anybody has any questions about fitness i know there were some guys asking questions about game i'm looking okay here. so let's talk about fitness for a bit because this is kind sure. of like you know how you got started in this this is yeah. like a early segue so um what do guys what do most guys make the mistake on when it comes to self-care over and over and over again that you're constantly having to correct to make them aware of so I would say from, cause I've worked with a lot of clients now, a couple, like hundreds. And, and what I'll say is that uh, the biggest mistakes that guys make with their fitness is they don't have the rudimentary basics down. And what I mean by that is that they're looking at, you know, they're looking at all the like minor little things like the accentuated things versus the fu fundamental. So like, for example, they'll, they'll ask me questions like, hey man, what supplements should I buy? Hey man, like how many reps should I do? Like stuff like that when in reality they're not eating, they're eating like crap, they're not sleeping, they're not drinking water, you know, they're, they're not going to the gym frequently enough. Like they're, they don't even have, even have the staples down. And I would say the fun, here's a, here's the reality with, with the, with the fitness industry, guys, I can't make money telling you the basics that are going to be responsible for about 90% of your results, you know, eating correctly, sleeping enough, training three to four times per week, getting enough frequency in and volume, uh, all these types of things. These are all free. You know what I mean? But what I can make money is selling you bogus supplements, selling you uh, stupid plans, um, selling you, uh, you know, some uh, fat loss quick scheme. I always say the fitness industry doesn't make money on getting people fit. 
they make money on selling you dreams, some kind of quick turn, quick fix, you know, whether it's Herbalife or skinny fit tea or whatever it may be, like none of that stuff works, you know what I mean? It's all BS, but they play on human emotions to get a, a short-term solution, to, a quick solution to a long-term problem, short-term solution to a long-term problem. So I would say a lot of guys just don't get the fundamentals down and that are responsible for most of their results. Is it is it because of the instant gratification culture that we live in or is it because oh, of something yeah. else? Yeah, like, yeah, Rich, like, man, I would say, like, so we live in, like, that's, that's amazing. Like, I always, I call it the fast food society. We live in a mm -hmm. society now of, like, where you can, you know, use your phone and get a, a, a random guy to pick you up in a black vehicle and take you to a destination. And you can have someone randomly bring food to you, like, you know, and, and all this other stuff. You know, we live in a fast food society. So, like, drive through society. So, people are used to getting things instantly. You can look up anything on the phone on Google and get an answer within a millisecond. So, the, the thing is, is that fitness doesn't adhere to that fast food society. So a lot of people aren't used to that and they don't understand that like with fitness, it's literally the equation for success. I always say this, it's consistency plus time equals results every single time. But uh, people don't aren't patient and they don't want to see it through. Um, and, you know, even worse, they might go and like take drugs to try to make the process go faster. When in reality, if, you know, even if you take drugs and you're, you don't know what you're doing in the gym, it's, you're still not going to get results. Like people think, oh, you're only making gains because you're on steroids. Like, no, a lot of times these, these bodybuilders are on steroids. They know what they're doing and they're taking the drugs because they have the foundation down packed so well that now that they've gotten to a point where they've maxed out their natural potential. So I mean, I know, I know a lot of guys that are on testosterone replacement therapy. And they're fat, like they just don't get any kind of results. This is a picture here off your Instagram of you before when you were fat to to fit. Mm -hmm. um, what did you have to like? How much did you weigh here? So the picture on the left that was me at about two hundred and forty pounds. I was taken in January of twenty sixteen. I did an experiment where I got like super fat. Uh, were you trying to get fat, or was that just a result of lifestyle? No, I did it on purpose. So okay. I, at the end of twenty fourteen, I, I had just finished a cut, or excuse me, I had like just finished. Um, like basically like a cutting phase of getting leaner. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do a dirty bulk, which for the guys that don't know, a dirty bulk is like when you basically go on like a crazy calorie surplus period in an effort to try to build muscle, which I will never do again. But anyway, I got up all the way up to 250 pounds. And then January 1st, 2016, I started to cut. Uh, it took me about seven months to lose the weight. And I was to get, able to get down from around 250 to about uh, 205. And the picture on the left there, I was around 240 to 245. So I was like right in the beginning of the cut. Um, and then the photo on the right was taken like a few months ago. And you're about that, six foot three, right? I'm six three. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's what I look like now. But it's just like, you know, it, being fat definitely taught me <laughs> a lot that it, I'll never do it again. <laughs> I will never do it again. It was the worst, but it, it was a good learning experience. And like I was able to apply my same methodologies that I teach my uh, clients how to lose weight. And it comes down, guys, to a, a calorie deficit sustained over time. You know, there's some like trick tips and tricks here to like, you know, make it uh, more efficient, but at the end of the day, it's a consistent calorie deficit that loses the weight. I think that's another thing that guys don't understand is that energy balance, like, is very important for dictating body composition changes. Uh, I got a super chat here. Let's throw this up for us. Michael Hendricks says, "I'm a 36 year old army vet, single father. I found this community about two months ago. Just ordered no more, Mr. Nice Guy. Thank you for helping clueless guys like me get our lives together. Sure. You're welcome, dude. That's a good starting point." Um, it's good, you know, it's probably good to go through once or twice, but the real meat and potatoes is in stuff like um, the Rational Mail book series, especially books one and two. Um, and a lot of the stuff in my Red Pill playlist will deal with the intricacies of a lot of the things that Myron's been talking about. Like there was a point there where you were like going off in a tangent, it's like, all right, I'm just going to take out my earphones and walk away and get a drink and just let him deal with this for the next 15 minutes because you're basically saying everything that I've been saying. But it, it, 
it takes a long time for it to set into guys' head. Like they just don't want to, they don't want to do the work and they don't want to realize that these, that these uncomfortable truths that are crushing the comforting lies that they've been subscribing to their entire life actually work, right? They actually work. It's, it, it's yeah. like, get that work done, man. It's so, it's so important. You can't be an RP masturbator, guys. You got you to actually like do the work. Like you can consume, you know, you can read the Rational Mail, Bachelor Pad Economics, Rich's book when it comes out. But if you don't apply the principles and you just sit there and read it and like, oh, wow, this is like great theory, but you don't apply it, you're going to take an L in the marketplace. Like th this information is, and here's the other thing too, because like a lot of guys like are on some stuff where they hate women or whatever. Guys, you read these books not to hate women, you learn to you read these books so that you can avoid hating women for what they'll never be to you. Because like a lot of guys have this notion that like, and Arolo says it all the time, shout out to him. Uh, and I, it's so true because, you know, a lot of guys have this notion that like women should love them unconditionally. And unfortunately, guys, everything in life is conditional. This, uh, you know, your job, your, your life is conditional. You know, people, uh, your friendships, you know, that's conditional upon you bringing them value and them giving you giving them value in exchange. Everything in life is conditional. No one loves you unconditionally. So... That, that yeah. fairy tale, you got to beat that out of your brain. Chris, Chris Rock said in his tambourine stand-up, only women, children, and dogs are loved unconditionally. Men are only loved under the condition that they provide something. Absolutely, man. And, and a lot of guys don't like accepting that harsh reality, but that's the, that's the way it is. Men have always been expendable. You know, there's a reason why they say women and children are off first. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you got to accept that reality that the burden of performance is on you and that you're an expendable commodity as a man. So you got to put yourself first because no one else is. 100% man. Uh, got a super chat here. I'm just waiting for it to populate on the screen from uh, Manny. Dalaman Spore had a good question here too about oh, hypertrophy. Sorry, which one? Uh, Dalaman Spore, he asked, you talk a lot about hyper hypertrophy oh, training. Uh, what about trying to combine stamina with strength? I'll answer this nice and succinctly. The problem is that the, the, the methodologies of training for strength versus the methodologies of training for, for stamina are completely different. So you're gonna you're gonna have problems with like the two methodologies of training interfering with each other. So like when you're training for strength, you're typically taking taking longer rest periods. You're working at a higher percentage of your one rep max, uh, etc. Right? Because you're you're working on strength. It's strength specific. But when you're doing stamina, well, you're doing more volume. You're working on your endurance, and that is kind of that's pretty much counterproductive to you like getting stronger. So and it's gonna interfere because when you're training for strength, you got to be pretty much firing on all cylinders. So I would say pick one. And just stick to that, man. Because when you try to chase two rabbits, a lot of the time you'll end up with none. So that's what I would say for that. Yeah, if you want to do better with women, then 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 focus on strength and mass. Um, you know, like stamina, like runners. Um, you know, like long distance cyclists, runners, triathlons. Typically, they don't have the aesthetics that women like. You know, the golden ratio, the one point six two broad shoulders, narrow waist. You know thick dense muscle uh mass i'm not talking bodybuilder size but i'm talking like you know like an, like the From nice aesthetic look. Yeah. yeah like it, it dalman sport if your goal is to look good naked you should you should train like a bodybuilder and just like Correct. focus on hypertrophy you like yeah. you don't need a lot of guys think like you you have to be like you don't have to power lift to build muscle guys there was a study done in 2014 2015 i did a, uh, a video on this called how many reps you can build muscle from like anywhere from six to 35 reps if volume is equated so you can you that gives you a lot of leverage to like be creative with your training and and use different variables because the beauty with hypertrophy is you can build muscle with a wide range of rep, rep ranges and I actually encourage that because you don't want to lift too heavy because you increase your likelihood of injury when you're lift, where the closer you get to your one rep max that you're working with so uh, Manny, Listen, Manny super right? chat he yeah. says uh, what do you guys predict the culture will be like socially and in dating oh, within ten to question. fifteen years because of the growth of the manosphere 
Yeah, so I this is a great question. I personally think within the next 10 years, more guys are going to be aware. And I would say I would say easily 10% of the male population will be aware of this stuff and they'll they'll start like exiting the marketplace. Uh, like because this stuff is exploding, like more and more guys are finding this kind of content every day. So, mm. um, you know, from their frustrations, like, you know, if you look at like what guys commonly Google, it's like, how do I get girls and stuff like that? And then boom, they start finding this type of content. So um, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of time. I think in the next 10 years, as the internet gets bigger, the world becomes more globalized, more and more guys are going to start, uh, seeing this type of content. I mean, even the young boys now you look at them on Twitch, they're like even saying like simp and all this stuff. They're aware. Yeah. They're, they're starting to put up with a lot less, um, bad behavior with women, which is, you know, which is a good thing, but, um, there's always going to be simps. There's always going to be like the vast majority of the male population will be betatized. Um, men will always defer back to the feminine you know, for the most part, like there's always even tips. <laughs> like even guys like us, I'm sure that you would totally agree, but there's even times where I'm like, you know, thinking about doing something and I have to catch myself cause that would be beta, you know, yeah. sort of, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you're like, sure. oh, you're, oh, don't be a little bitch, you know, sort, sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it's just work, man. It's, you know, it's just constant work. You know, hopefully the reach gets out there. It's real difficult because on most platforms, they don't want you to talk about stuff like this. They don't want men to become better. They don't want, I mean, it's so weird to me because women are dramatically more attracted to high value men that have consumed content like this and are going out there and doing the work and increasing their income, making more money, making more muscles, you know, learning game to deal with women in a more uh, successful way. But at the same time, they want to throttle it back and they want to hide it from views and they don't want guys to know this information. They, you know, it was a part of the part of society that, that wants men weak, plugged in and feminized too, right? Absolutely. And anything that like exposes any type of content that like demystifies like female nature and like, you know, shows unflattering realities, like is instantly like censored. You know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, the H word. Oh, never mind. You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to start, we're going to start blocking your stuff. And it's like, and it's sad too, because here's the thing. What guys don't understand is that there's a lot of men that find this content and pull the gun from out of their mouth. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, uh, Rich, I mean, a, a guy, a guy. I remember a guy, you were telling a story about how a guy had a, a, a horse tranquilizer gun in his mouth and he was going to kill himself, I think, like in Mexico or something like that. And yeah, so he was he, a like, Mexican veterinarian. There's actually a, a, a video with a Q&A on Before the Trainwreck. He called in and told the full story. I've been meaning to to cut that out of the video so I can put it on Instagram. But it's, you know, it's pretty fucking sad. Like, the dude, dude was about to end his life with a horse tranquilizer. And, um... You know, he, he saw a computer screen with something about hypergamy and he started watching. And he dove down the rabbit hole and he's like, dude's dude's alive. He's doing amazing. He's very successful. He's, you know, he's still here. He's still walking this earth because he chose not to take a permanent solution to a temporary problem in his life. Absolutely. And I think that the thing, what people don't understand, and, and I understand why it's like this, like people don't know that like men, we're designed to suffer in silence. Yeah. Like guys, it, it's very frowned upon for men to like, go with their problems to like someone and talk about it. You know what I mean? And a lot of guys are suffering in silence, whether they, they're thinking, contemplating suicide from a bad divorce, they lost access to their children, they lost all their money from a divorce. Men are far more likely to kill themselves post-divorce. So, you know, you give a guy a copy of The Rational Mail and it saves his life. Well, you know what? Maybe it's worth it to get banned off YouTube to save a guy's life so that you can let him know that, hey man, uh, you know, this is probably why she broke up with you. These are the mistakes. Because guys have like a innate like need to know things that's why we develop society the way it is now like men always want to figure out like we're, we're problem solvers right so like when a girl randomly break like the women are like the one thing that most guys can't figure out no matter how smart they are because women don't operate logically so 
So a lot of guys, since they can't figure it out, they're like, oh, I'm just going to take my life. And, and fortunately, there's content out there like this that lets guys know, hey, listen, you don't have to do that. You, you can that you can improve yourself. You can get back out there. You can meet another girl. But, you know, it's just that this type of content is censored. And it's sad because there's guys that need this. It's just that people don't know because at the end of the day, let's keep it real. No one cares about men. I can't tell you how many guys, uh, you know, we, me and John have worked with behind the scenes that need this kind of help, but they didn't know where to turn. You know, but the, and they were able to come to us, and we were able to help get their confidence up, their money up, their their fitness up, and their new men. They, they within a year they get the 180 change. You know, but like this stuff is important, man. It's it's life changing. Like that's not some BS. Yeah, it's um, it's sad, man. It's um, you know we live in a soy society. We live in an estrogenic society. It's, you know, it is what it is. You got to avoid all that nonsense and the negative uh, inputs. Absolutely. You succumb to it, you become it. It is what it is, right? Uh, what do we got here? About another ten minutes left. What else should we should we cover before we go? Uh, I can. I don't know if guys have any questions about game, uh, fitness, whatever it may be. Throw the questions in the chat, guys. I'll uh, I'll answer whatever you guys want. Uh, Let's see if I got all the super chats here. I think I did. They usually pop pretty easy on my screen. Philosophy. Yeah, we got all these. Um. Where can people find you? Let's let's talk about that because you're on Instagram and YouTube. You got oh, a YouTube channel, so tell yeah. them so tell them what you're doing on YouTube and what you're up to there. So on YouTube, guys, I've been pushing out a lot of content. Um, I'm putting out like you know at least three videos a, a week, and then I'm I'm going to start running like a like a podcast where I'm going to interview people on there. Uh, I'm going to bring Rich on. <laughs> we'll talk about that behind the scenes on like Mondays, where like I'll interview them, ask them questions about you know what it's like to run night game in their city. I did an episode with Donovan on Monday, actually this past Monday, where we talked about uh, running game in Miami versus Vegas. And like Donovan gave a bunch of gems on how to do things correctly in Las Vegas. And I talked about Miami, you know, how to set yourself up. And then uh, I'll bring other guests on and talk about, maybe we could talk about Toronto where uh, Rich is at, how things are there. And then entrepreneurship, that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, the YouTube channel is Unplugged Fitness. Uh, my Instagram, my Twitter, and my Facebook is the same hand, is the, the handle at the bottom, Unplugged Fit. I use that for all my main social media and then the YouTube channels on Blood Fitness. And on my YouTube channel, I give uh, dating stuff and I give fitness stuff. And then just like what I do with fitness where I use studies and I put link all my studies there because I always believe like if you're going to make a claim as to why something is more optimal in, in uh, physique training, you need to be able to cite your sources. You know what I mean? Like there's just you, there's it's 2020. You got to have an evidence based lens. If you're not, then you're you're not credible in my eyes. And then uh, with the with dating stuff, I also cite studies. I apply the same lens there like, you know. I put a bunch of studies as to like, you know, why the dating marketplace is the way it is. And I, I pretty much give an objective factual look at it. Like, this is why it's like this, guys. This is why girls flake. Like, I literally broke it down in one of my videos. This is why they flake. And then this is how you, you know, overcome that with, you know, with because we're not about crying over here. We're about solutions and helping guys figure out this problem versus like complaining, like some of these black pill channels, like, oh, I programmed, you know what I mean? Crying and making eight hour streams about guys like me and Rich and John and everybody else. You know who you you know who you are, but I'm not going to give that guy clout right now. But yeah, man, it's just, but that's where you can find me on my stuff. Yeah. I got a question here in the chat from Marty in sales. He says, can I gain muscle while eating once a day? Um, Like an OMAD. You can, you can, man, but you got to understand that you're limiting yourself. So here's the thing, because I always get questions about fasting and. Uh, John from Bulldog Mindset's big on OMAD, right? Like He stopped it. Oh, did he? Yeah, he doesn't do it anymore. Okay. So the, the thing, here's the thing with one meal a day, and they, they've done a couple studies on this. I think it was a 2015 study by Brad Schoenfeld. Basically, you're most anabolic when you get about four meals per day with protein evenly spaced out, you know, somewhere between three to four. Four seem to be like the optimal, but anywhere from three to five, you'll be okay if you get 
protein throughout the day. That's the most anabolic. Now, can you build muscle eating only one meal a day? Yeah, I'm sure you can. But again, there's many ways to skin a cat and it's all about skinning the cat in the most optimal way. So if you're going to set yourself up to win, you want to do things the most optimal way. And to be honest with you, OMAD is not the most optimal. You're probably better off eating. If your goal is hypertrophy, building muscle mass, we know that muscles typically grow on calories. So you want to keep that. Um, you want to be giving yourself um, protein feedings, you know, <laughs> sustainably throughout the day. Uh, especially if you're younger calories. too. Especially if you're younger. Yeah. So it, can you do it? Yes. You know, there's always ways to do things, but like, is it optimal? No, according to literature, that's not the optimal way to do it. So I would I would refrain from that if your goal is hypertrophy. Uh, Adriano says, Marty, no pressure from your parents to settle down. I guess he's uh, talking to you, maybe. Yeah, he probably needs me. Yeah, no. So my, yeah, every time I talk to my mom, man, she's like, so, uh, you know, when, when are you going to do this? And I'm like, yo, mom. Or she'll, like, or she'll show me pictures. Do you have any siblings? Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I got a sister. She's in med school. And Does I got a kids? brother. No, nah, no. Nah, you should tell her to hurry up and have some kids so you can get. Yeah, yeah. She she gets a pass because she's in med school. But like, I got a brother. He's eighteen, and it's always funny because like my mom will send me pictures of like chicks from like Egypt or Sudan or like Morocco. Like, you want to marry her? She's hot. You want to marry her? She's hot. Like, she'll just like send me pictures of random yeah. girls, <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, like, no thanks. But like, she's always like offering me girls from like the Middle East that like her family's good. You want to marry her? And I'm just like, nah. Man. So, if you do yeah. that, are you going to run a harem like Abu or? Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. Me and Abu have talk, talked about this. Uh, like, yeah, I would have multiple wives. Uh, there's yeah. no way I would only have have one. The thing, though, with in Islam, guys, is a lot of guys think like, oh, yeah, you can have multiple wives. This is awesome. No, the, the, the checks and balances is you have to treat each wife the same financially. So if you buy a house for one, you need to buy a house for the other one. Like, you don't, you can't make them live together if they don't want to. So that's how you kind of like check and balance the polygamy. So, um, you know, you got to be able, you got to have your your T's crossed and your I's dotted if you're going to do that. But yeah, I would definitely probably have multiple wives. Cause like, I just, yeah, I, I'm not yeah, going to Yeah. I got to pull him on at some point to talk about his lifestyle and you know, how he runs it. Cause I think it's way different than what people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Abu, like he, he's got that thing figured out, man. Like he's, you yeah. <laughs> mean, have talked about it offline. Like he's a good dude. He knows exactly what he's doing with it. All right, guys. So um, let's begin to wind this down real quick. Uh, just going to go to full screen here and mention the channel sponsor. Uh, Tactical Soap's been a great friend and supporter of my channel um, right over my shoulder here. Uh, they got some new uh, version 2.0s. So if you want to check out with coupon code Cooper at coopersoap.com right over here, you can do that. I'll, if you guys are watching the replay, I'll um, leave it uh, pinned in the top link. So shout out to Scott uh, from Tactical. So where do we go here? Double screen. Uh, you guys know where you can find Myron at. And um, He's good, guys. yeah, trying He's to guy is going to be an up and comer, you know, keep an eye out for him. He's, you know, he's always putting out good stuff and the quality of his video production is like top shelf. So he knows what he's talking about. I totally co-sign, you know, where he's going here. And if you're interested in, um, you know, getting coaching or, or anything direct from me, uh, you know, shout out to Myron for, you know, supporting and providing a testimonial. You guys know where to find me, always pinned in the top comments. That's where I'm at if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one or get into my business coaching class. Um, what's they going on They can hit me here? up for coaching too, a fitness coaching. You guys hit me on the side yeah. and, you know, we'll do a consultation and figure out if you're a good fit for my fitness coaching. Um, I think we got rule zero Saturday on Ryan Stone's channel, if I'm not mistaken. So keep an eye out for that. And I'll also have another video released tomorrow around noon. I got a bunch, uh, in the hopper. I got to pump out. So dude, uh, thanks for hopping on with me, man. And just, thanks uh, for having chopping me, it up and shooting fun, the breeze. Man. 
Yeah, it was yeah, it was good to catch up and, and do this because normally we, you know, we we normally talk offline on Zoom and it's like a locker room, especially when we get Paul in there. Yeah, we kept um, it clean for you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are missing out on the good stuff. If I'm being honest with you, because when yeah. we get together, you know, behind the scenes in the Zoom meetings and we really talk about some stuff, it's 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 pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, thanks for hopping on, following his stuff, totally cosign where he's at. Look out for them. And again, there's stuff coming out on my channel. So make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell. See you guys later. Peace out. Later, guys.